0: Hello and welcome to Cave of the Cross Projects. I'm Patrick, and I'm Tony, and we're reaching the end of our uh, evidences. We're we're all out of evidence after this. Uh, <laughs> That's no, right. <laughs> of, of course, uh, we're in the midst of our book. Faith has its reasons, and uh, we've done this book before, uh, uh, apart from you. Um, but uh, we've come we've come bearing good gifts. In that, uh, e- even though uh, we don't agree with every uh, person in the places where they put them or uh, argumentation that they might find positive or negative. Uh, we believe that this is a really excellent book. So hopefully you've uh, picked it up. If not, it's uh, linked on com or on any of the um, uh, any of the links that uh, we have on the videos and uh, uh wherever you get your podcast from and so uh we're in the midst of our second method of apologetics so we covered uh, the classical model and now we're in the evidentialist model with two others to go and actually uh, a, th- a third one after that and so uh we've kind of given a breakdown of of all the people that kind of uh, subscribe to the evidentialist model. Well, we've talked about the uh, meta-apologetic, uh, the, the, the structure that the evidentialist uh, holds to in their argumentation. And then uh, we talk about uh, um, the, uh, the six main questions that kind of all models have to answer as the, the, the big six of, of things, uh, things like the problem of evil. Uh, what about Jesus? What about the Bible, theology, science, et cetera. And so um, uh, now we're kind of, uh, giving you the concluding chapter to this, and then uh launching into a uh, kind of a positive and negative uh, understanding from our authors on the evidentialist model. So, uh we're in Chapter Eleven, Apologetics and the Interpretation of Fact. But I thought all facts were brute facts, and you just lay them out there. <laughs> Interpretations. Okay, all right. We're, we're 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 reaching past this chapter here a little bit. <laughs> Well, here in this concluding chapter on evidentialist apologetics we will summarize our authors of uh, this model or paradigm for apologetics and then consider its major strengths and weaknesses well here the evidentialist model as explained in chapter three they've summarized each model of apologetics system under two heading meta apologetics and apologetics the six specific questions under each heading and here they apply this analysis to the evidentialist model
1: Right. And so they start off with these uh, various, as uh, you mentioned there, meta apologetic questions, right? Meta apologetic questions deal with the relation of apologetics to other forms of human knowledge. And so uh, if you've been following us, you'll recall that in Chapter 9, we considered the evidentialist approach to answering questions about knowledge. Uh, in general, theology, philosophy, science, history, and experience. And so in this chapter, what we get here is a summary of the findings that we talked about in
0: chapter nine. Right. So... The first one is on what basis do we claim that Christianity is true according to the evidentialist while well, the evidential apologetics is dominated by inductive imperial reasoning and seeks to build its case from a mass of factual evidences kind of a uh, uh, throw it all in the pot the 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 gumbo of apologetics you you uh, <laughs> you apply them with uh history if they don't like history there's always science there's always the resurrection uh there's uh the the the, the makeup of the universe uh, the the world is your oyster as far as evidences because uh all facts are God's facts and so uh, we can present uh, the evidences uh for uh, the possibility of God and then uh, the conclusion that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment uh, of, of the, the image bearer, uh, ultimately of, of uh, the Godhead. And, uh, and so, of course, they're going to want to point to him ultimately. Well, the classical approach typically launches its argument into two stages. The first seeks to prove the theistic worldview, while the second uh, building on the first seeks to prove the specific central claims of the Christian faith. The evidentialist approach typically involves one complex process of mounting a case for truth of the whole of the Christian theistic faith, though almost always with case turning on the evidence for Jesus' death and resurrection. Why? Because Christ is at the center of the Christian uh, theistic faith. So there's yeah. there's the, the Christ focus. Right. So again, the
1: classicalist has a two-step approach, right? First, they prove that God exists, and then secondly, they prove that... Uh, Uh, You know, they talk about the claims of the Christian faith and and the evidentialist has really kind of what our, our authors at least are suggesting is a one step approach, right, where they just have a complex process of amounting a case with regard to the evidence. And so both of these approaches, classicalist and the evidentialist are really similar because for the most part many or much of the evidentialist approach that their one step approach is taken up in the uh classical approach's second step right so we might say that the uh the evidentialist just has a one step uh, easier right they they uh just have that one step approach um and uh, but it's very similar to what the, how the classicalists do that second step. So evidentialists do not believe, however, that the factual evidence in and of itself produces faith. <clears throat> Excuse me. And in fact, most of them deny believing that faith requires. Um, evidence faith is based on the witness of the holy spirit right so evidentialists do maintain however that uh, what uh, sets christianity apart from other religions is that it is rooted in facts that are in principle verifiable on the basis of publicly accessible evidence right so everybody has access to the to these various uh, facts they're accessible to the public and so we can base our christianity our argument for christianity on these publicly accessible uh facts or this publicly accessible evidence mm-hmm.
0: so when asked to dance by a classicalist or an evidentialist don't pick the classicalist he's got two steps and they're complicated <laughs> rooted in in uh, uh logic and philosophy pick the evidentialist one step and uh the information is kind of this this uh, generally agreed upon publicly accessible so that's right. So your toes are less likely to be stepped on. Yeah. Or, or right. vice versa. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. The second one is uh, what is the relationship then between apologetics and theology? Well, evidentialists view the relationship between the two as one of defense and exposition of the same truth. That is, apologetics offers the reasoned defense of the Christian beliefs that are explained and defined in theology. And then, moreover, apologetics and theology utilize essentially the same method, both reason inductively from the data of or facts to conclusions using a method similar to what uh, the science uses. The apologist appeals to facts about and from the Bible to show that the Christian the, that Christianity is true, and that the theologians appear appeals to facts. Of the Bible to show what Christianity means, and so uh, there, there's no laying aside the Bible. You're still uh, 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 applying it, uh, and you're you're pulling. Facts from there and saying where does this match up in the world that you see around uh, around you, uh, known facts uh, from from uh, non biblical history, and you're going to bolster your claims by saying, "Oh, look at Philo, he mentions it. Look at Josephus, he mentions Christ." Uh, so uh, th- there, you're you're grounding the the biblical evidences in uh, the exterior evidences uh, that that um, uh, kind of m- more the populace would agree upon if they're not believers. Right. Exactly. All right. So uh that's number
1: two, the relationship between apologetics and theology. And again, the, they use the Bible to show that Christianity is true, right? And they uh appeal to the facts of the Bible to show that Christianity what it means. All right, number three, should apologists uh engage in philosophical defense of the Christian faith? Now, this might sound odd because we're saying, well, I thought apo-, you know, apologetics was all about philosophy, right? <laughs> But there, as we will see later on, there are some uh, you know uh, approaches that dismiss uh, uh, philosophy with regard to arguing for for God. And so what does the evidentialist do with regard to philosophy and the philosophical defense of the Christian faith? Well, evidentialists view philosophy as a crucial tool for understanding the implications of the sciences and matters beyond the sciences' direct uh, competency. For example, while the scientists cannot examine God, they can examine the world he created and infer his existence from the evidence uh, in the world, right? And thus, uh, evidentialists then do use philosophy, but primarily as a means of clarifying concepts and analyzing the methods and reasoning used in discussing matters of theological significance uh, in the light of natural science and uh, human uh, history. So, yes, they do use it, but they use it. Uh, you know, to analyze, clarify, and that sort of thing. Right.
0: And this isn't something that's unheard of in science. In science, you uh, uh- think about dark matter if you know anything about the concept of dark matter the the um, uh, gravitational pull on all the properties within the universe seems to be really small from the observable mass that's that's uh, kind of seen and known and so scientists have come up with this uh, kind of uh, rescuing device that's a a uh, uh, entity of ether out there that says well there must be something some sort of dark matter that you can't see that uh, that has this uh, a quantifiable mass to it, but we just aren't uh, able to be aware of it with our known kind of concepts of science. And so there they're saying, hey, uh, from from our known perspective, here's the things we know. And from there we can conclude then that there's this kind of unknown entity uh, uh, collection of mass that uh, is out there, and we just can't observe it uh, with our tools, or uh, the, the the way the the the, the universe is, is uh, so big, and so uh, there's 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 a uh, a uh, correlation uh, between what's kind of known and uh, and then observed, and then the implication uh, of it, which is this uh, unknown. Uh, collection of particles or uh, whatever it might be the, the the dark matter out there and so that's what our evidentialists are doing is they're saying well if we can't observe god directly as far as like here he is and let's cut off his toenail and put <laughs> it under a microscope here's the influence that he has in the universe and so we're going to be able to look at that that point to uh, who he is hmm. so just like dark matter that uh, that that was as convoluted as dark matter is. so if science can do it so can i right. Well, the fourth one has to do with science. Well, can science be used to defend the Christian faith? Of the four apologetic approaches, evidentialism makes the most positive use of science. While evidentialists do not accept all uh, conventional scientific theories uncritically, they tend to be more confident in their use of scientific information and theories to support theistic conclusions than other approaches. Uh, the, the, these are the ones that um, uh, tend to to critique maybe the um, the theory of evolution, and and while they might not be young earth creationists yet, uh, they will uh, point to the the very fact that uh, without, without a a common designer, or a first cause uh, being greater than the universe, or uh, the the uh, a a mind in order to uh, imbue DNA with information that passes along information, like we see all other sources of information having a source that is also information. Um, th- th- they're ones to to utilize those same methods, kind of against the 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 non-believing uh, uh, scientist or, or or those who are. Uh, non-believers, but still hold to the ability to know things in in the universe uh, via the scientific method. Okay. And then
1: the uh, fifth one, can the Christian faith be supported by historical inquiry? And, you know, as we mentioned, while evidentialists tend to make confident and even enthusiastic youth of science and apologetics, most of them base their apologetic oh. primarily, and in some cases, exclusively on historical evidence, right? This is, we might say, where the evidentialists shine in this particular area right. with regard to <laughs> historical inquiry, right? Uh, so, in their view, the Christian faith, uh, in its essence, involves belief that God has done certain things in history for our salvation, specifically in the death and resurrection of Jesus.
0: Right. Exactly. That that That's the 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 one that they're known for so they're, they're gonna hit him. well they admit that uh, historical knowledge as such can never rise above a probability but contend that this is so with all knowledge of matters of fact yet we base life and death decisions on such knowledge every day can you prove to me that the the water you're drinking that comes out of your tap isn't poison well if you <laughs> wait until you have the necessary means to to um negate all poisons, then uh, you're either going to be very thirsty or uh, you're gonna be winding up on the floor uh, with your kidneys screaming at you. (laughs) Furthermore, they argue that there is plenty of evidence for the historicity of the central events of the Christian faith. So you might hear the term uh, kind of minimal facts or even maximal facts, uh, depending on uh, Habermas or the McGrews uh, uh, to to name a couple. And so uh, those tend to be the ones that, uh, that are uh put forth and and the, the uh kind of uh, popular uh books might uh, contend uh, for those a little bit in fact uh if if you uh didn't get lost in the minutia of all my uh, book reviews i uh, uh did a review of william lane craig's uh, d- uh the historical um uh evidences for the crucifixion uh death and uh, resurrection of Jesus in one of his books. In fact, uh, Josh McDowell one as well uh, that I didn't find as favorable, but uh, that's just more format than uh, content. So uh, you can check that out as well.
1: All right, and then finally, the sixth uh, meta-apologetic question, Uh, It says that how is our knowledge of Christian truth related to our experience, right? So how is experience in Christianity and our knowledge of Christianity related to one another? And the evidentialists recognize, our book tells us, that uh, people have religious experiences. Personal subjective experiences are meaningful or helpful, though, only to the persons experiencing them. Right. So if we are uh, to commend the truth of Christianity to people, evidentialists conclude that uh, we must appeal to publicly accessible facts, testimonies of changed lives may help people see that Christianity is um, not only about events in the past, but the evidence that demands a verdict. (laughs) <laughs> is to be found in history right so yes they acknowledge experience they they acknowledge religious experience but obviously they want to focus on the facts right the evidence that uh that Christianity is true
0: right right it's, it's nice that you were uh you know uh, uh shown the light and and everything like that and you had this uh epiphany that changed your lifestyle uh, but uh we need to get down to the brass tacks where we can point everybody to and say uh th- this this is a, a more universal concept of a truth uh although helpful uh for you or maybe other people around you or even those who are convinced by personal stories um that's not exactly what they're looking for all right well then we move on to the six uh, type of uh, uh kind of straightforward apologetic questions we dealt with the the, the uh, meta-apologetics of Evidentialism. And so here's what our authors um, s- say in summary for the Evidentialist for these six questions. The first one is, why believe the Bible at all? Well, uh, the apologetic questions uh, will uh, deal with uh, issues commonly raised by non-Christian themselves. And in chapter 10, we consider the approaches Evidentialism takes to answering questions about the Bible, Christianity, other beliefs, I- existence of God, problem of evil, credibility of miracles, and the claims of Jesus Christ. And here uh, we're going to summarize the findings of the chapters.
1: All right. So let's start with that first one. Why should we believe the Bible? Right. So most evidence, uh, evidentialists begin their apologetic by presenting evidence, not for the inspiration of the Bible, but for its historical reliability. Right. They emphasize the authenticity of the biblical text as it has been passed down through the centuries, as well as the historical credibility of its contents. And so they want to use uh, this material to present their central apologetic argument, namely that the historical facts show that Jesus rose from the dead. So in turn, Jesus' resurrection then will validate Jesus' teaching and by extension, the teaching of the entire Bible. So notice they don't directly give us, uh, you know, these various arguments for the inspiration of the Bible. They wanna focus on its historical reliability. And then from there, right, if they can show that, then they can move to Jesus' resurrection and that will validate his teaching and by his extension, then the teaching of the entire Bible. So so that's kind of their approach with regard to the Bible.
0: Right, Jesus existed, uh, He he taught many things, he lived a perfect life. Uh, he died, resurrected after saying that uh, he, when he was alive, that he would raise, be uh, rise from the dead happens. Well, it's kind of hard to argue against that, but kind of people do. So <laughs> we'll get to that later. Well, the second question is, well, don't all religions lead to God? And here's uh, their response to pluralism. The major premise of r- religious pluralism is that all religions are kind of basically alike. Evidentialists attack this premise directly by appealing to the historically verifiable miracles of the Bible, especially the resurrection of Jesus, as proof of the uniqueness of of uh, Christianity. So, uh, you know, I, the the guy saying "I am the way, the truth, of the life; no one can come to the Father through me" does such a big thing like rise from the dead in support of all his claims. Uh, then the the in that uh, in that uh, statement that he made. Uh, tends to uh, preclude him from being combined with uh, people like Muhammad or uh, Vishnu or uh, pick your pick your pick your person who or whoever right right. yeah good
1: all right and then the the third uh, kind of apologetic question here asked how do we know that God exists right and so evidentialists typically do not reject the classical theist proofs remember these various uh Proofs for the existence of God that we saw when we were examining the classical uh, apologetics, the uh, uh, you know ontological argument, the cosmological argument, the teleological argument. So they don't necessarily reject these proofs, although most of them, our book tells us, do reject the ontological argument. But uh, they rework these arguments into fact-based evidentiary arguments to augment or replace the classical deductive philosophical proofs, right? So you recall that the classicalist attempts uh, deductive arguments with regard to these uh, uh, arguments for the existence of God, um, you know, as as we know, William Lane Craig uses the Kalam cosmological argument. It is a deductive argument, right? Everything that begins to exist uh, has, uh, you know, has a cause. The universe began to exist, and therefore, the universe has a cause. So that is a deductive. What do we mean by that? Well, if the prim- if the premises are true, then they force the conclusion to be true. So, a deductive argument. The inference relationship between the premises and the conclusion is one of necessity, right? And as we saw in our examination of evidentialists, they uh, lean more toward probability arguments, that is inductive arguments and not deductive arguments with regard to necessity. So the evidentialists, for instance, would point also to miracles, they point to fulfilled prophecy and other evidences from the bible to support belief in the existence of god right
0: right and if you want to see why uh, things like the kalam uh, don't uh, reach the the, uh, the the pinnacle of all proofs uh, you can check out our uh, short clip that we made for uh, the kalam argument for our classical arguments and look at all the people responding uh, against the negative <laughs> approach to the clum. Uh it, It's probably one of our, our most uh, well-received uh, uh, or well, one of our most ill well-received uh, 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 short clips from uh, the atheist point of view. Then uh, the fourth one, uh, halfway through our list here is if God does exist, well, here we go. Why does he permit evil? It's, it's something that we, uh, we all have to uh, answer for. Uh, it's 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 probably um, probably one of the most um, um, presented uh, kind of um, uh, in, initial claims uh, uh, when you are um, uh, witnessing to friends, even um, they might uh, punctuate it with a personal story of loss or suffering. And so uh, he, here, the evidentialist: what, what does he or she have to offer when it comes to this question of why does God permit evil? Well, classical apologists usually address the problem of evil in the most historically familiar form as a logical conundrum. How can God be all-powerful and all-loving yet permit permit evil? Well, evidentialists may discuss the problem in this form too, but they most characteristically deal with it in the matter of probability or evidence. Evidentialists point out various reasons why certain evils may be present in the world and argue that the uh, positive evidences for God's existence is so great that the problem of evil doesn't make his existence unlikely. So they say, "Yep, uh, you know, let, let's grant the fact that all these evil things in the world um, are, are are true and uh, are evil, and 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 we'll will will take everything for you. Regardless of that, here's all the evidence for God's existence, and so where it comes from on making the the um, the theodicy make sense uh, for a reason for why the, uh, uh, evil exists." Uh, that's kind of uh, a secondary nature. So let's first get you to believe that a God exists. And then we can say, well, since God exists, he permits evil in some fashion, in some form. So let's talk about that. Probably a Bible study, uh, probably, uh, going from the belief that, it, that God exists. Let's look at, uh, ways in which, uh, we can kind of, um, co- complete the circle and, and say that, uh, that evil can exist, uh, and God uh, still exists as well.
1: And then the, uh, so that's the problem of evil. And then the, uh, the fifth one or fifth kind of apologetic question here, I uh, asked, aren't the miracles of the Bible spiritually myths or legends and not literal facts. Right. And so to answer, um, you know, uh, of whether miracles are myths or facts, evidentialists answer simply, look at the evidence, <laughs> right? They agree that it is reasonable to uh, to be somewhat skeptical of miracle claims, but they insist that though that is, uh, it's unreasonable, to decide that no amount of evidence could ever warrant belief that a miracle has occurred, right? (laughs) Moreover, evidentialists may claim that uh, in some cases, the evidence for a miracle is so great that even a person who does not already believe in God can and should recognize it as a miracle. And thus, they think the evidence for miracles can provide rational grounds for belief in God's existence. So so not only do they um, use, you know, miracles they suggest that they can be true, but indeed they argue that they can even give us grounds for belief in God. And again, they would say this is what the, you know, the the New Testament authors were doing, right? Uh why should we believe that Jesus is who he claims he is? Well, he rose from the dead. There's the miracle, right? And so that's kind of the the uh the approach that the evidentialists take
0: you're looking for a good presentation on um, Miracles from an Evidentialist, a uh, friend of the show, Tim McGrew, uh, has uh, a number of lectures online that, uh, that uh, kind of deal with that. So um, that's uh, definitely uh, a good resource uh, to, to seek out and find. All right, then our final one of the six apologetic questions that uh, every method asked to answer is, what do we do about Jesus? Why should I believe in Jesus? nearly all evidentialists view the resurrection of Jesus as the primary factual basis for faith in Jesus. E- even, even the most, uh, what we would say, uh, squishy uh, believer <laughs> would probably point to uh, ultimately the, the resurrection of Jesus. It is Jesus' resurrection that vindicates his claim to be the Messiah, the son of God, and that also reveals his death to have been a redemptive sacrifice for sins. So from the historical point, here are kind of the three conclusions that you must draw from from, from, the, uh, from this uh, historical event. The origin and history of the church would be unintelligible without the resurrection. Where, where did the church pop up from? You know, why, why are all these people going to their death? Why are the people in the streets? Uh, why are they going against the might of Rome? Well, it, it doesn't make sense uh, where the church came from without the resurrection. So evidentialists argue that people should believe in Jesus because the facts show him to be what the Bible says he is, and one of those things is to look at the formation of the church, the the uh, argument from uh, um, from martyrdom, uh, the the uh, uh, the uh, internal witness of of um, the um, the apostles uh, very prominently saying, "Listen, I I didn't believe this until uh, th- this point," and and it shows this. Uh, this um, uh, area where I was deficient in. And so if you're making the case, why would you kind of have a lack of knowledge? Why aren't you the hero of the story? So that that type of um, uh, uh, argumentation of a, 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 an internal evidence uh, within the text points to uh, the, the 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 fact that the resurrection is the central point in which we should hang our hat on.
1: All right, so those are the six um apologetic questions right and so we've worked our way through a little more than halfway of this uh, chapter do we want to continue on here or should we uh break here and pick it up uh the next half the next time
0: well, let's pick up uh, the next half uh, where we uh do the positives and the negatives uh it kind of uh, uh goes with the same kind of uh, style that we did with the classicalists uh because uh, we had we had things to stay still about uh, all the meta <laughs> and apologetics so um so we'll finish up our chapter on chapter 11 and again uh we don't uh, tend to do the the um the skit uh because uh, uh t- tony is a, a terrible actor and i'm <laughs> i'm i'm even uh, less good than him so yeah so we don't you don't want you you, you, you you won't want to see that uh, you'll tune out for it from from then. so so uh next time we'll uh, talk about uh, the different strengths and uh we'll get into the weaknesses And then uh, complete our chapter 11 on Faith Has Its Reasons for the Evidentialists. So, as always, we thank you for joining us and continuing to watch the short clips and uh, uh, going to com to see all the other books that we've done before and all the short clips there. And then uh, we always say uh, thank you and we'll see you next time.
1: See you next time.